0: chapter 18 of the last trail this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit librivox.org recording by mike vendetti mikevendetti.com the last trail by zane gray chapter 18 a black weight was seemingly lifted from helen's weary eyelids the sun shone the golden forest surrounded her. The brook babbled merrily. But where were the struggling, panting men? She noticed presently, when her vision had grown more clear, that the scene differed entirely from the willow glade where she had closed her eyes upon the fight. Then came the knowledge that she had fainted, and, during the time of unconsciousness, been moved she lay upon a mossy mound a few feet higher than a swiftly running brook a magnificent chestnut tree spread its leafy branches above her directly opposite about a hundred feet away loomed a gray ragged moss-stained cliff she noted this particularly because the dense forest encroaching to its very edge excited her admiration such wonderful coloring seemed unreal dead gold and bright red foliage flamed everywhere Two Indians stood nearby, silent, immovable. No other of Liggett's band was visible. Helen watched the red men. Sinewy, muscular warriors they were, with bodies partially painted and long, straight hair, black as burnt wood, interwoven with bits of white bone and plaited round waving eagle plumes. At first glance, their dark faces and dark eyes were expressive of craft, cunning, cruelty, courage all attributes of the savage. Yet, wild as these savages appeared, Helen did not fear them as she did the outlaws. Brant's eyes, and legates too, when turned on her, emitted a flame that seemed to scorch and shrivel her soul. When the savages met her gaze, which was but seldom, she imagined she saw intelligence, even pity in their dusky eyes. Certain it was she did not shrink from them as from Brant, Suddenly, with a sensation of relief and joy, she remembered Mordaunt's terrible onslaught upon Brandt. Although she could not recollect the termination of that furious struggle, she did recall Brandt's scream of mortal agony and the death of the other at Case's hands. This meant, whether Brant was dead or not, that the fighting strength of her captors had been diminished. Surely, as the sun had risen that morning, Helen believed Jonathan and Wetzel lurked on the trail of these renegades she prayed that her courage hope strength might be continued ugh exclaimed one of the savages pointing across the open space a slight swaying of the bushes told that some living thing was moving among them and an instant later the huge frame of the leader came into view the other outlaw and case followed closely further down the margin of the thicket the indians appeared but without the slightest noise or disturbance of the shrubbery. It required but a glance to show Helen that Case was in high spirits. His repulsive face glowed with satisfaction. He carried a bundle which Helen saw, with a sickening sense of horror, was made up of Mordaunt's clothing. Brant had killed the Englishman. Leggett also had a package under his arm, which he threw down when he reached the chestnut-tree to draw from his pocket a long leather belt, such as travelers use for the carrying of valuables. It was evidently heavy, and the musical clink which accompanied his motion proclaimed the contents to be gold. Brandt appeared next. He was white and held his hand to his breast. There were dark stains on his hunting coat, which he removed to expose a shirt blotched with red. "'Ye ain't much hurt, I reckon,' inquired Leggett solicitously. No, but I'm bleeding bad, replied Brant coolly. He then called an Indian and went among the willows skirting the stream. So I'm to be in this border crew, asked Case, looking up at Legget. Sure, replied the big outlaw. You're a handy feller, Case, and after I break you into border ways, you will fit in here tip top. Now, you'd better stick by me. "'When Eb Zane, his brother Jack, and Wenzel find out this here day's work, "'hell will be a cool place compared with their whereabouts. "'You'll be safe with me, and this is the only place on the border, I reckon, "'where you can say your life is your own. "'I'm your mate, Captain. "'I've sailed with soldiers, pirates, sailors, "'and I guess I can navigate this borderland. "'Do we miss here? "'You didn't come far.' "'Well, I ain't particular, but I don't like eatin' with buzzards,' said Leggett with a grin. "'That's why we moved a bit. "'What's buzzards? "'Oh, maybe you'll have em and you'd like some day, if you'd only know it. "'Buzzards are fine birds. "'Most particular birds as won't eat nothin' but flesh, "'and white man or injun is pie for 'em. em.' "'Captain, I've seed birds as wouldn't wait till a man was dead,' said Case oh can't come no sailor yarns on this feller well now we've got their englishman's gold one or t'other of us might just as well have it all right yar, cap'n dice cards anyways so long as i knows the game here Jink, hand over your clickers and bring us a flat stone said legget sitting on the moss and emptying the belt in front of him case took a small bag from the dark blue jacket that had so lately covered mordaunt's shoulders and poured out its bright contents this coat ain't worth keepin he said holding it up the garment was rent and slashed and under the left sleeve was a small blood-stained hole where one of brant's blows had fallen hello what's this muttered the sailor feeling in the pocket of the jacket blast my timbers Hooray! he held up a small silver-mounted whiskey flask, unscrewed the lid, and lifted the vessel to his mouth. I'm kinder thirsty myself, suggested Liggett. Captain, a nip and no more, Case replied, holding the flask to Liggett's lips. The outlaw called Jenks now returned with a flat stone which he placed between the two men. The Indians gathered around. With greedy eyes, they bent their heads over the gamblers, and watched every movement with breathless interest. At each click of the dice or clink of gold, they uttered deep exclamations. "'Looks again, you Cap'n," said Case, skillfully shaking the ivory cubes. "'Ain't I got eyes!' growled the outlaw. Steadily his pile of gold diminished, and darker grew his face. Cap'n. I'm a bad wind to draw, Case rejoined, drinking again from the flask. His naturally red face had become livid, his skin moist and his eyes wild with excitement. Hello, if them dice wasn't jenks and I hadn't played a four with them, I'd swear they's loaded. You ain't insinuating nothin', Captain, inquired Case softly, hesitating with the dice in his hands, his evil eyes glinting at legget nah you're fair enough growled the leader my tough luck the game progressed with infrequent runs of fortune for the outlaw and presently every piece of gold lay in a shining heap before the sailor Clean busted exclaimed legget in disgust can't you find nothing more asked case the outlaw's bold eyes wandered here and there until they rested upon the prisoner i'll play their lass against your pile of gold he growled best two throws out in three see here she's as much mine as brant's me can have my pile huh? and i'll go you all right time better give me back what you win replied legget gruffly she's a trim little craft no mistake said case critically surveying helen all right captain ah uh, sportin blood and i'll bet yer throw first legget won the first cast and case was second with deliberation the outlaw shook the dice in his huge fist and rattled them out upon the stone oh he cried in delight he had come within one of the highest score possible case nonchalantly flipped the little white blocks the indians crowded forward their dusky eyes shining Leggett swore in a terrible voice, which re-echoed from the stony cliff. The sailor was victorious. The outlaw got up, kicked the stone and dice in the brook, and walked away from the group. He strode to and fro under one of the trees. Gruffly he gave an order to the Indians. Several of them began at once to kindle a fire. Presently he called Jenks, who was fishing the dice out of the brook, and began to converse earnestly with him making fierce gestures and casting lowering glances at the sailor. Case was too drunk now to see that he had incurred the anonymity of the outlaw leader. He drank the last of the rum and tossed the silver flask to an Indian, who received the present with every show of delight. Case then, with the slow, uncertain movements of a man whose mind is befogged, began to count his gold but only to gather up a few pieces when they slipped out of his trembling hands to roll on the moss. Laboriously, seriously, he kept at it with the doggedness of a drunken man. Apparently he had forgotten the others. Failing to learn the value of the coins by taking up each in turn, he arranged them in several piles, and began to estimate his wealth in sections. In the meanwhile, Helen, who had not failed to take in the slightest detail of what was going on, Saw that a plot was hatching, which boded ill to the sailor. Moreover, she heard Legget and Jenks whispering, "I can take him from right here, twixt his eyes," said Jenks softly, and tapped his rifle significantly. "Well, go ahead. Only I'd rather have it done quieter," answered Legget. "We're yet a long ways, near thirty miles from my camp, and there's no tellin' who's in their woods." But we've got to get rid of their fresh sailor, and there's no sure way. Cautiously cocking his rifle, Jenks deliberately raised it to his shoulder. One of the Indian Sentinels, who stood near at hand, sprang forward and struck up the weapon. He spoke a single word to Leggett, pointed to the woods above the cliff, and then resumed his statue-like attitude. I told you, Jenks, that wouldn't do it. The Redskins sent something in the woods and there's an engine i never seed fooled we mustn't make a noise take your knife and tomahawk crawl down below the edge of the bank and slip up on him i'll give half their gold for their job jenks buckled his belt more tightly gave one threatening glance at the sailor and slipped over the bank the bed of the brook lay about six feet below the level of the ground this afforded an opportunity for the outlaw to get behind Case without being observed. A moment passed. Jenks disappeared round a bend in the stream. Presently his grizzled head appeared above the bank. He was immediately behind the sailor, but still some thirty feet away. This ground must be covered quickly and noiselessly. The outlaw began to crawl. In his right hand he grasped a tomahawk and between his teeth was a long knife. He looked like a huge, yellow bear. The savages, with the exception of the sentinel, who seemed absorbed in the dense thicket on the cliff, sat with their knees between their hands, watching the impending tragedy. Nothing but the merest chance or some extraordinary intervention could avert Case's doom. He was gloating over his gold. The creeping outlaw made no more noise than a snake nearer and nearer he came his sweaty face shining in the sun his eyes tigerish his long body slipping silently over the grass at length he was within five feet of the sailor his knotty hands were dug into the sward as he gathered energy for a sudden spring at that very moment case with his hand on his knife rose quickly and turned around the outlaw discovered in the act of leaping had no alternative and spring he did like a panther The little sailor stepped out of line with remarkable quickness, and as the yellow body whirled past him his knife flashed blue bright in the sunshine. Jenks fell forward, his knife buried in the grass beneath him and his outstretched hand, still holding the tomahawk. "Eh, "'Trying to double-cross me for my gold!' muttered the sailor, sheathing his weapon. He never looked to see, whether or no, his blow had been fatal these border fellers might think a man as sails the seas can't handle a knife he calmly began gathering up his gold evidently indifferent to further attack helen saw leggett raise his own rifle but only to have it struck aside as had jenks this time the savage whispered earnestly to leggett who called the other indians around him the sentinel's low throaty tones mingled with the soft babbling of the stream no sooner had he ceased speaking than the effect of his words showed how serious had been the information warning or advice the indians cast furtive glances towards the woods two of them melted like shadows into the red and gold thicket another stealthily slipped from tree to tree until he reached the open ground then dropped into the grass and was seen no more until his dark body rose under the cliff he stole along the green stained wall climbed a rugged corner and vanished amid the dense foliage helen felt that she was almost past discernment or thought the events of the day succeeding one another so swiftly and fraught with panic had despite her hope and fortitude reduced her to a helpless condition of piteous fear she understood that the savages scented danger or had in their mysterious way received intelligence such as rendered them wary and watchful come on now and make no noise said liggett to case bring the girl and see that she steps light "Ah, captain replied the sailor where's brant he'll be comin soon's his cut's stopped bleedin i reckon he's weak yet case gathered up his goods and tucking it under his arm grasped helen's arm she was leaning against a tree and when he pulled her she wrenched herself free raising with difficulty this disgusting touch and revolting face had revived her sensibilities. Here yeah, you can begin duty by carrying that,' said Case, thrusting the package into Helen's arms. She let it drop without moving a hand. "'I'm running this ship. You belong to me,' hissed Case. And then he struck her on the head. Helen uttered a low cry of distress and half staggered against a tree. The sailor picked up the package. This time she took it, trembling with horror. "'That's right, now. Give her Cap'n a kiss,' he leered and jostled against her. Helen pushed him violently. With agonized eyes, she appealed to the Indians. They were engaged, tying up their packs. Leggett looked on with a lazy grin. "Uh "'Uh-oh,' breathed Helen as Case seized her again. She tried to scream, but could not make a sound. The evil eyes, the beastly face, transfixed her with terror. Case struck her twice, then roughly pulled her toward him. Half fainting, unable to move, Helen gazed at the heated, bloated face approaching hers. When his coarse lips were within a few inches of her lips, something hot hissed across her brow. Following so closely as to be an accompaniment rang out with singular clearness the sharp crack of a rifle case's face changed the hot surging flush faded the expression became shaded dulled into vacant emptiness his eyes rolled wildly then remained fixed with a look of dark surprise he stood upright an instant swayed with the regular poise of a falling oak and then plunged backward to the ground his face ghastly and livid took on the awful calm of death a very small hole reddish blue round the edges dotted the center of his temple legget stared aghast at the dead sailor then he possessed himself of the bag of gold save me their trouble he muttered giving case a kick the indians glanced at the little figure then out into the flaming thickets Each savage sprang behind a tree with incredible quickness legget saw this and grasping helen he quickly led her within cover of the chestnut brant appeared with his indian companion and both leaped to shelter behind a clump of birches near where legget stood brant's hawk eyes flashed upon the dead jenks and case without asking a question he seemed to take in the situation he stepped over and grasped helen by the arm who killed case he asked in a whisper, staring at the little blue hole in the sailor's temple. No one answered. The two Indians who had gone into the woods to the right of the stream now returned. Hardly were they under the trees with their party, when the savage who had gone off alone arose out of the grass, in the left of the brook, took it with a flying leap, and darted into their midst. He was the sentinel who had knocked up the weapons thereby saving Case's life twice. He was lithe and supple. But not young, his grave, shadowy-lined iron visage showed the traces of time and experience. All gazed at him at once, whose wisdom was greater than theirs. "'Old horse,' said Brandt in English, "'haven't I seen bullet holes like this?' The Chippewa bent over Case, and then slowly straightened his tall form. "'Deathwind,' he replied, answering in the white man's language. His Indian companions uttered low, plaintive murmurs, not signifying fear so much as respect. Brant turned as pale as the clean birch-bark on the tree near him. The gray flare of his eyes gave out a terrible light of certainty and terror. "Legget, you needn't try to hide your trail,' he hissed. And it seemed as if there was a bitter, reckless pleasure." in these words then the chippewa glided into the low bushes bordering the creek legget followed him with brent leading helen and the other indians brought up the rear each one sending wild savage glances into the dark surrounding forest End of chapter 18